Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 23rd of September and joining me on this edition are news editor Mark Hodgkinson. We wouldn't be down here if it wasn't for you. Assistant editor Steve Withers. Up there, you're not dying, you're dead. And audio reviewer Ed Silly. I'm trying to kiss my ass goodbye. Good for you. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the podcast and as we always start with uh, some things that we could win, uh, why change it? And Ed, tell us what we can win. Outstanding competitions at the moment, uh, Beetlejuice on Blu-ray, uh, that's open to all members uh, and is open for another seven days after the podcast goes live, uh, and then open to active members, also closing the 30th of September, so you have another seven days, is The Last of the Mohicans, with some uh, solid mental method acting from Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, all fine films, uh, no previous competition winners to report, but... Uh, Keep entering for those existing ones and we'll uh, no doubt mock your username when you win uh, those ones. So it was only last week that we were talking about the Apple TV and how we thought it was behind the times. And lo and behold, Amazon, Amazon came along and uh, announced their new Fire yeah, I TV. I don't think that was a coincidence, was it, that their announcement came just after, like two days <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, it, it's one way of getting over on Apple if you release a box that has far more features on it and is uh, 4K. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Yeah, and to be fair, it's been coming for months, so we've, we've kind of been watching the progress on the sort of the rumours. Well, you, you maybe so had, I, I'd, I'd never heard I it until you <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, rather I have. So uh, it's been coming for months, so it's not a massive surprise. Steve, were you surprised? Um, I wasn't surprised. I kind yes, of, you were. Don't, don't make it up. I told you the day before it was going to happen. Yeah, my mum told me. It's, uh, and I'd seen the rumours the week before, but um, I, I was more surprised that Apple TV doesn't support UHD than that the Amazon Fire TV does, because clearly Amazon are pushing UHD on their on their service, um, and it's and it's you know it's the format of the future. What surprised me a little bit was that that doesn't support HDR, um, which again they're pushing on their uh, their current service on some TVs. So that was a bit of a surprise. I thought I might want to do the whole package, but I mean certainly from a point of view of its specifications and capabilities it seems significantly a significant improvement over what apple announced the week before yeah it's a bit of a yeah yeah for sure um the the chip they're using is a bit of an unknown quantity actually it's a mediatek chip um used in phones and tablets but you gotta think they've got some a custom made one because the performance of the benchmarks isn't that amazing um we don't know what its capabilities are going to be exactly until we get one tested. So we don't know if it's going to support 24p properly. Uh, I really, really hope it does because that's that's the one thing about the Fire TV was the uh, jittery Netflix performance with 24p stuff that just yeah I, I found unbearable after a while. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see to see what it can actually do when it's out in the wild next week. And how much is it going to be, Mark? Same price as the other one, seventy nine ninety nine. Really. Yeah, wow. which, which is a fabulous, you know, fabulous price. Yeah, that's a good price. It's the difference device. between a company which places no stock on making margin on hardware because it's not yeah, part they, of their model. Exactly. So you know, it, it, it's another, it's another reason why um, uh, it does. Rep, the Apple TV is what represents represent as a challenge for Apple because um, I think whilst they have lower margin aspirations on it, they do try to intend to make some money on on the boxes and then they just they're buying into other people's delivery systems to an extent rather than sort of amazon's content generation i've got to say it's one of the apple products that i always think why because it, it just doesn't fit with all the other hardware that they make it just seems like it's tagged on for some reason it's just strange i've never I think really they, got... they came up with a good idea oh hello i got a minute 
No, I, I completely agree with you, Phil. It's and as I said last week, it's always every generation of it has managed to be mysteriously disappointing in some way, shape, or form. It you know whatever innate promise has been there has always been hamstrung by something. So yeah, it's it, you would have thought after this many sort of stalled attempts, they might have knocked it on the head. They're normally fairly ruthless in this regard. And, and, they clearly see some worth in it that we're missing. Uh, yeah, I think that what's going to happen with Apple is they'll launch a Netflix sort of Prime type um, subscription service rather than their current model of rentals and, and digital downloads. Uh, that's what, I think I think it's the forebear it's the forebear of that. Uh, which will Apple be Apple movies or Apple Yeah, that yeah. that will happen. They, 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 like yeah. they did with Spotify and copied that. They'll, they'll but, copy but once again, I mean they're behind the curve on this, aren't they? For sure, yeah, they are. So why why do you keep saying for sure? Have you spent the week with an Irishman or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll be watching too many Steve McLaren interviews. <laughs> I, I, I was. I just did listen to a Steve McLaren interview. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough. His idiocy is, confect, is infectious. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, if, you know, the Firebox just looks like a, a cracking little product. Um, now, there was questions on the forum. Who is it for? You know, who is this product for? which I found quite a strange question because I can think of a number of reasons why you would buy a box like this. But um, what do you think, Steve? What, what, you know, who's this for? Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's the people who want to deliver 4K to their TV but hasn't, maybe it doesn't have the apps in it to do it in the TV itself. Um, can ignore the 4K, though. Surely, surely the 4K is not that relevant to everyone. It does exa- plenty of other exactly, stuff. Exactly, exactly, which is the point I wanted to... <laughs> yeah, oh, right. I well, think we're looking think at it through these very you know, narrow... We, yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly how we were looking at it, and it's exactly how people in the forum were looking at it. Quite narrow. But, but I mean, you got you got to look at... Like you say, there's a new chip in there. We don't know what it's going to do. You don't know what the performance is going to be like. And it does lots of other things that the Fire TV does at the minute, which... You know, it's not suddenly going to stop doing. It was an attractive product when it was 1080p. It'll make it no less attractive than it's UHD capable. And the price is, is spot on. People you can't lock the price, that's true. Nah, people yep. won't think, you know, you don't think twice about spending 80 quid these well, days. Well, I mean, you just think, you, think you know, if you've gone out and, and spent eight grand on, on your OLED, which, it, but it looks like it won't have any smart TV on it, it's another 80 quid, you've got, you got, you got all your smart features there. And it'll, it'll, be be, it'll be better updated than... You know, a smart TV, <laughs> typical smart TV. It'll be well supported through its. Through well, its that that was another thing I wanted to bring up because Amazon are actually taking um, their stuff off older uh, smart TVs, so they're not renewing the licensing for for Amazon Prime through. Yeah, they made backend changes to the streaming site, and it just doesn't work on some less capable devices. Yeah, it's almost inevitable. But I mean, if you bought your TV two or three years ago and you bought it because it had smart TV and it had Amazon Prime, you're going to be pretty annoyed. Even though they're they're offering you this new Firebox at a, a discount or a stick at a discount, you're still paying paying again to have Amazon on your TV. That's quite annoying, isn't it? I don't know. These days, we've been as as a across a, a wide variety of bits of technology. We're so we're so used to the limitless disappointment of either accepting software upgrades up to a point and then stopping, or you can continue to try and put software updates on it, but it causes it to run at the speed of mammal evolution. Uh, I, I, it's just one extra little drip in a lake of disappointment about the lifespan of modern day electronics. I don't. I think you know, for every person that actually genuinely gets irate, most other people are just going to shrug and accept it. That's the the the, uh, <laughs> the nature of the beast, I'm afraid. I'm certainly sure. a lot easier to upgrade a Fire TV box once every couple of years for 80 quid than it is to find out that your TV's you know, smart platform is now to date. Because didn't YouTube also disappear off of older 
yep. smart platforms as well. Yes. Yeah. And Netflix yep. on, the, on a couple. Yeah. I've had. I mean, in terms of what it does, because I mean, obviously I still use a, a Kuro in the lounge. That's not a smart TV, obviously. This is a good way of adding smart capability to television without, you know. It, and, it, and it, has, it, it hasn't aged well either, has it, Steve? Let's be honest. Well, in what sense? Well, the design sense. I mean, you look at the bezel on Akuro and then compare it to... Oh, yeah, no, and it weighs an absolute ton. Uh, <laughs> it's a big ad. But, um, but in terms of the uh, pitch quality, obviously, it's still fantastic. And um, uh, and this is a good way of adding to it. But, Martin, does it do all the services you would want? Is there anything mm, missing? Yeah, there are missing things. It does. Netflix, iPlayer, YouTube. And Amazon. Uh, and Amazon, obviously, yeah. What about um, now, now TV? Nope. No Now TV. Okay. No Wacky... If anyone's bothered about that, not sure they are. Um, what else? It's irrelevant. These days, I only play three-hour-long Peppa Pig videos on them. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it has all four, does it? I don't know. Has that got Peppa Pig on it? Yeah. But Prime, oh. Prime has got Peppa Pig on it, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, I know. And, and I mean, obviously, we're not talking about the, the new Peppa Pig episodes that came out in the last day or so, Ed, either. Okay, well, you know, that's uh, that, I, I'm, I'm saving those until... There was a particularly good Peppa you. Pig camera and mashup on uh, Beta, actually. Uh, yes. P3TA, if you saw it. I did, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was very, very clever. And I think, I think uh, while well, well, we're quickly reaching this subject, um, Cassette Boy. Yeah, that was, Nailed it. he always does splendid. And now, for me, I thought it was funny. I ne- I, his, his Cassette Boy versus The Apprentice was still his finest hour. Yeah, that's yeah. still the best one he's ever done. But but the fact that he he turned that around so in less in less <laughs> yes. than twenty four hours was pretty genius, to be honest. Very yeah. very well done. Anyway, um, back to smart TV. <laughs> so what I'm saying then, based upon what Mark just told me, is it's not uh, a one stop shop the way that the Roku currently is. Is that right? No, because that Roku doesn't well, do Amazon. Roku doesn't there is do no Amazon. there is no perfect solution. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> He's got to have lots and lots of HDMI inputs and lots and lots of little power supply sockets for these <laughs> weedy little plastic boxes. Uh, as, Mark, Mark, uh, as I can testify, Mark Mark had a, 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 one of those. He had to do his own sort of very patient form of technical support. Um, I got got a Fire TV stick, and the last thing I want to do is use one of the sockets on a mains conditioner for the piddly little USB power supply. So I was just desperately trying to find something uh, in the rack already, which just shunts out enough USB power to power the stick locally. Did eventually do it, so that was quite good. That was. Uh, was handy, but uh, Mr. Hodgkinson bought the brunt of that. So while we're talking about you know these boxes, let's move it onto smart TVs. Um, we've been talking about Android boxes for a while, Mark, and, and obviously you've been reviewing them and so on. And there are a couple of manufacturers who are taking the Android solution onto their smart TV platforms, uh, namely Sony and Philips, which has caused them some delays this year in getting their TVs out there. And some people would say certainly pointing the finger at Sony, that they've released the TVs too early and there's still lots of bugs in the system. Now, I've read the comments on your review of uh, the smart TV system and I've got to say, it seems that people have far more issues than certainly I had with a full HD TV that I reviewed recently where it crashed two or three times. But then when the firmware was updated, it seemed to be quite stable. You've only had a couple of, but it seems people are, some people are having loads of issues with it. Yeah, I think what maybe happens is over time it just gets clogged up depending on how many apps they've downloaded, you know, and what they've got running in the background. I think the big problem with these TVs is that the amount of background processes that are running and the amount of, yeah. so that's the system apps, but then the other apps, you can open, you can open everything back out of it and it's still running in the background. So if people have got a lot of apps that open, then they're going to run out of RAM. Sluggishness will, will occur. So basically uh, what you're talking about is a memory bottleneck, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously, the, the more the more things you've got open, the more memory it's taking up. And if you're streaming, you know, 4K video that's kept in a buffer somewhere, you're gonna you're gonna run out. 
you know, of, of RAM. They've only got 1.5 uh, gig of RAM, which the typical boxes I review have generally got two, the better ones, some of them, some of them four, um, which is more than ample. But yeah, they, they could just do with beefing up the components probably for that, for that smooth experience. I don't find it particularly buggy. I think some of the UI design choices were very poor. The Discover Bar is a joke. Um, but the home screen's nice enough, quite pretty. Um, it's got a good range of apps. You can install Kodi on it if you want to run Kodi through it. Well, it see, this, this was the thing I was going to come to because obviously when I uh, proved to your review and I'm thinking, I need, you've scored this at 8 out of 10. But then actually, but actually when I read the review, you do make some, some pretty good points, which is that everybody else's smart TV system is, is more or less locked down. Yeah, um, it's got great freedom of control. I mean, I, I've hooked it up with air mouse, keyboards, all sorts of stuff. Um, an unlimited amount. Of, okay, the app store that you get served to you through the TV is pretty limited, um, but you can sideload apps through USB or, through, or or put a third-party app store on there and and use that. And you could put the Amazon app store on there if you wanted to, any or any other, um, and and have a play around. It, it, you know, there's loads of games. It'll hook up with Bluetooth controllers, not just a the um, DualShock 4, uh, this is what they advertise, but you can use it, any Android-compatible Bluetooth controller. It, yeah, there's just loads of freedom there, that, which which I really liked. It's not sandboxed and shut down like all the other ones. And, you know, I enjoyed the experience. Perhaps but, as time goes by and I downloaded more apps and used it, well, I used it fairly extensively, it would start running a bit slower. But, yeah, generally, I quite liked it. And the TV that you tested it on was? 8509. Is that dual core or quad core? It's dual core, I think. Surprisingly, they're using dual core on their new TVs this year. When everyone, some people are using octa-core. Yeah, I, I think they've skimped a bit. I do think they've skimped a bit, and they could have made the experience better for everyone with you know with more resources available. Yeah, I think I think next year it'll be excellent. And also, you've got to remember this is a fairly new version of this is you know Android TV, uh, which is a fairly new operating system in itself. Um, so. You know, Google will improve that. Sony will make their tweaks there, and I think you know it's it's going to be really, really good. And at this stage, I still think it's good. And of course, Philips is the same. So you've just had a Philips TV with uh, Android on board, Steve. Yeah, and I didn't. I must say, when I had the X94C, I didn't have any complete crashes. I didn't have to reboot anything, but it was definitely slow in places, and there were a few glitches. But it was early days with that platform. Um, with the Philips, I have to say, I had no problems at all. Uh, and in fact, I found myself enjoying Android TV more on that TV than I did on the Sony TV. And I think possibly because it's slightly it's a bit less choice than it was on the Sony one, which I, I found to be excessively excessive and confusing well, at times. One thing I, um, I noticed... Obviously, the layout's the same, but... Well, I, I was going to say, when I was editing the videos, I, I had to double-check uh, that it was the Philips because the layout's identical, yeah, identical. Um, to, yeah. to what's on the Sony. Even where, where the picture settings and stuff are, it, you know, it's just exactly the same. Yeah. As the, yeah. As, yeah, well, you've got to remember that it's all built. Everything is an app now. So even the settings menu is an app. You know, the, the EPG is an app. It's all, if you look into it does the make system, getting into settings a real pain in the arse. Yeah, but, yeah, um, no, that is. That to is. go through the home button and then go down and select. And, and then, of course, if it's, if it's an app, um, there's no guarantee that it's going to work. And I think you've kind of hit, hit that with the CMS on the Philips. It just didn't work, did it? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It was very disappointing. And that's, yeah, given that their, their TVs, certainly the ones I reviewed last year, very good in that aspect. It, that was a disappointment, um, and maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason because they changed the basic underlying, um, you know, architecture. But, but in terms of the of the, of the Android TV platform, uh, it was fine. Yeah, it was, it was it was good. It was it was a bit a bit slow at times. Again, dual core processors. Um, but um, in terms of 
you know, it didn't crash on me or anything like that. So maybe there's less running in the background than there is on the Sony's. I don't know. But uh, certainly the platform, I found it more more pleasurable to use this time around than I did when I had the Sony 94. They both benefit from, I mean, most of these boxes on their home screen, they have what's called an all tasks killer or, or a system boost or something call it, but it basically kills all unnecessary apps. And they could do with one of those on the home screen. Mm. And it would be an admission of the fact that, you know, occasionally it will run sluggishly, but it could solve a lot of problems. Boost, you know, performance boost or all tasks killer, they get, they get called. You can't, can't beat a boost gauge. Okay, so um, that's where we are in terms of smart TV and, and you know, announcements that have been made. I'm expecting that we're going to get a new Roku box very soon, Mark. Uh, I mean, it's it's got to come along, hasn't it, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's certain. And I think it, it specs-wise, it's probably going to, the Apple, the, sorry, the Amazon out of the water. Oh, I'm expecting HDMI 2.0A, 4K at 60 frames per second. Well, if it's got Proper. if it's got E, then it, it's going to do HDR, isn't it? Yeah, and HD, yeah, HDR. That's what I'm expecting. I've emailed the Roku guy, and he's completely ignoring me. So, so what would we just source? How <laughs> <laughs> we as well for Netflix? They're not on the Roku edition. It hasn't got Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Are there no. any other? Well, they've got Amazon in the USA. See, they've got Amazon. They've got everything in the US. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Amazon's the big lack. They've got everything else on the rocket. Everything else you want. Right, so uh, like I say, we're talking about these boxes, we're talking about smart TV and all the rest of it. The big thing that keeps getting thrown back, even though the picture quality is improving every day on these systems, and uh, like I said, I was I was quite blown away with the Amazon picture quality a couple of weeks ago when I was watching something, but the thing that always comes back is sound. It's one of the big pluses for Blu-ray because you're going to get the full HD soundtracks, which are not available streaming. Is it a big issue for you, Steve? I, th- I, th- I think so. I think so. I mean, you could say, well, would you be able to tell? Uh, I mean, I certainly, I know they can deliver uh, things like Atmos through um, Dolby Digital Plus, as well as through Dolby True HD. So there is an option there available uh, and going forward. And I believe Netflix has already said they're going to do it, aren't they? So you will get improved sound quality over streaming, but you're never going to get the full lossless experience you're getting on Blu-ray. And I do think sometimes you can tell the difference. It depends on your system, I suppose, how you got things set up. But I would miss that if it wasn't an option available to me. Um, so, so for that reason alone, I think Blu-ray still has has the advantage over any other delivery system. Um, but would it, and- would it put you off streaming a movie? And watching a movie via um, stream because you're only going to get completely put me off because it would depend on the context, I suppose. Um, a lot of the streaming that I watch, I watch in the lounge, and you know, TV shows and that sort of stuff, and tend to just do it in stereo, so it's not really an issue. But if I'm streaming in the home cinema, then then obviously I want a, a full surround experience. And um, if it's a film I'm just going to watch because I can't be bothered to buy it and I'm not that interested, I just want to check it out, then I don't think it's a bigger deal. Um, if it was something I really love, then I'd rather have it in the best possible quality, both in terms of picture and sound. So, Ed, do you think that, that this is what streaming has to do to kill off Blu-ray? It has to offer higher audio? No. To kill off Blu-ray, um, it simply needs Blu-ray to continue faffing. Uh, we're not... People talking about whether Atmos is there or not, I hate to break it to you, but you're a tiny minority. Your 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 voice is... You know, people will pay a, a small amount of attention, but in the great scheme of things i'm afraid it's not desperately important um there's also i think faith is the wrong word because it doesn't require faith you can with reasonable confidence see that as uh 
speeds across the UK improve, bandwidth improves, and so on and so forth, that <clears throat> streaming will be able to make up this deficit. Every single advantage of physical media is being slowly eaten away. So the only ones that remain are sentimentality. And I'm afraid that Blu-ray is too young and too fundamentally, you know, just mass produced to, to, to maintain any sense of sentimentality. So it, it, no, I'm afraid sound, it might matter to people on the forum. I, I will, I won't lie. I do, I do enjoy some of the more well thought out Sonic mixes on Blu-rays, but if we, um, I mean, it's not completely clear cut. I mean, if you've seen some of the, the uh, comments doing the rounds, it would appear that the age of Ultron Blu-ray mix, Sonic mix, is, is bobbins. Uh, it, may, it, it may well have been deliberately pulled or hamstrung, so it works better on soundbars and other sort of speakers like that, but it certainly isn't the sort of... Oh, no, that's a very cynical view. Well, it would be a completely, in an absolute sense, it would be a relatively sensible thing to do. It's what two-channel audio had to suffer through for 15 or so years. So, you know, with the best one in the world, um, not only is the the advantages that Blu-ray have not going to be there forever, but there are there is some evidence in certain instances that Blu-ray isn't making full use of it anyway. Mark, you'd be quite happy sitting <coughs> streaming a film in 5.1 through, uh, through Netflix or whatever, Five point one's more than enough for me. I'm, I run two point one, or I, I use my headphones when I really want to listen loud. So yeah, no, it's no issue to me. And do you think that you represent the the general public, or do you think I'm Steve more representative does? than Mr. Withers? I would yeah. completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, sure. I think everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you got to look around. Blacked out room. Speak to your, you know, speak to your friends if you've got any. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, I've, uh, I've, uh, I only know two people out of my group of friends uh, who've got a 5.1 system, and that's out of you know, three. <laughs> three friends. <laughs> so two-thirds of your friends. <laughs> no, no, joking apart, probably about a 20th of my social group would are interested in that sort of thing, and two 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 channels is, is more is more than they need. I mean, Spoil it, it, spoiler them. Give them mono. you got you got to look at it. I mean, the number of people that probably you know get a soundbar completely outnumbers those who have a 5.1 system but you're still talking about even those that have soundbars a very small section of the market aren't you really i mean most people are going to listen through their tv speakers and and be done with it basically based on no research at all i would say 80 percent of people <laughs> <laughs> do, do it that way oh quote of the day quote of the day well done ed are we talking sense yeah, uh, I'm. You know, sorry. It's just it's the nature of things. And uh, uh, streaming will make up the deficit. Every single, you know, I don't mean to sort of overstate this, just to wind withers up. But every single week that 4K Blu-ray is not in stores is another significant. It's it's all adding up to it, just never leaving the ground in any meaningful sense. Sorry. And I would, I'd argue that's. I'm actually in a very good mood today. I'm not being just pointlessly nihilist. It's just the nature of things. I've, I've watched exactly the same thing happen as a teenager with SACD and DVDA. Yeah, completely pointless. Yeah, and I've got to say, I, I can't remember where I read it now. I read it somewhere online. It, it was somebody representing one of these streaming companies. I can't even remember which one it was. It might have been Amazon. It might have been Netflix. I can't remember. Uh, but was asked the question about sound and said sound's not important. Um, to the business model that they're building, they're going for the mass market. Uh, they could do things like um, Atmos and so on, but they're kind of thinking why at the minute. 
not worth the bandwidth. Yeah, I guess people mass market wants convenience and they want, you know, that's what they're going to get. <laughs> and they're not that bothered about picture quality and sound quality. Um, and that's not to say that, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, that these services can't deliver a very good picture because they can. I'm always amazed at how good the picture is on both Amazon and uh, Netflix and now TV fact these days, um, given you know, the nature of my internet connection. So that's impressive in itself. But I just don't think you know that, that streaming is a solution to everything because clearly, you know, I don't want to bang on about it, but for, for my particular case... I'm not going to be getting 4K streaming for a very no, long but, but Steve, time. I think the next progression with these things is perhaps something like the Skybox or or the BT Box, where it, it has a terabyte or a couple of terabytes inside, and it downloads overnight for you. Uh, so yeah, it depends on the file size. For it's like 50 gig. It's not going to be, that's not an overnight download. And while it's downloading, it's taking up bandwidth. Like I'm trying to do other things. Um, so it's not an ideal solution. It's better, probably better than streaming. I'm not, I'm, my problem with streaming is I don't mind streaming, uh, you know, TV shows and that sort of stuff. But if, if I want to own a film, if I like a film, I want to physically own it. Something that I can bequeath to the nation if I have to. <laughs> but but if you're streaming something, you don't own shit. And basically they can stop giving you that anytime. And already Netflix are basically not going to be doing as many movies as they used to, which used to be a great source for finding low budget or small independent films you hadn't seen. You could pick them up on Netflix or nothing. That's going to end. So they can take away stuff whenever they feel like it. You certainly don't have access to something. You certainly don't own it. Um, it's bad enough with digital downloads. Do you own a digital download? Can you leave someone in your will? I don't know. I mean, I don't want a digital file. I want a physical thing in my hand. <laughs> Ideally, a giant laser disc sized thing that I can really pour over and sniff the cellophane when you open it up. That kind of thing, like we used to do in a good old days. Oh, it's all coming out now, isn't it? Well, it's interesting, actually, Steve. You touched on the, 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 the stopgap measure there is purchased download of items. Um, I, and I have to say, obviously, it does create file size issues, but I have to, I mean, I've, I, um, I've just bought a couple of albums online. Um, uh, actually, not mentioning the usual suspects this time, I bought a couple on the Cobuzz website, and I bought one direct off an artist's own website. Um, and it's it's brilliant, as I say. I mean, yes, you can talk about physical ownership, but as a point at purpose of downloading, they automatically store to two locations, and at the end of the week, my scheduled backup to the offline backup will occur. I'm more confident of the, in many ways of the survivability of those files than I am of me buying a disc, which will inevitably be found by my son and scratched to bollocks in about three minutes. So that that's that may be the stopgap for you, you rural types. But I'm afraid not only are then proportionally not that much of you outside of the blocks of population that have high internet speed and climbing, unfortunately then as a subset of the people without high speed internet who are then also interested in very high quality AV performance. Well, you can probably hold a meeting Me. in a coach. Yeah, it's not, it's uh, unfortunately, you are not in itself a client base, however many bit discs you promise to buy. And interesting that you put in the running order, will pricing be important to Blu rays, Ultra HD Blu ray success and why things? I think pricing's the least of the worries at the minute, to be honest. Well, well I only put it in because in the thread attached to the interview with the BDA, um, pricing seemed to get a lot of coverage because I, I'd said, you know, what would I consider to be a reasonable price? And I said, anything up to twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> and everyone, everyone was going like, I wouldn't pay more than a tenner. It's like, I'm going, where the hell are you buying your Blu-rays from for a tenner? Because 
I don't certainly if you obviously if you wait and buy them after months later, you can get them cheaper. But if you buy on day of release, you know, you're going to be paying at least 15 quid. I mean, that's pretty much the average of the sort, and maybe up to 20 pounds, depending on the title. And some 3D titles, like I noticed Mad Max Fury Road 3D is like 22 quid. Well, they can get to bollocks on that. <laughs> yeah, all right. But that's the day, day of release. Obviously, you'll get discounts after that. Um, so I'm, I was thinking, you know, between 15 and 20 pounds certainly seems reasonable for Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray. Even higher, you know, if you're treating it as a premium um, product, which I guess it is. Certainly a niche product. But, um, you know, I wouldn't mind paying 25 quid for it. Yes, but you're not normal. Actually, I spent, I spent £39 pounds on vinyl. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Three albums, £39. You, you're, not, you're not normal either, Mark? No. I'm more normal. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I generally watch a movie once and that's it. So there's not absolutely no point in me buying discs. It's, it's something I found myself doing with Blu-ray. Um, I think it was after I went silly with DVD. I mean, Laserdisc before that, would, you know, that was hampered because of the pricing of the stuff. So I only really bought what I could afford. Um, DVD, I went silly with DVD. I must have had thousands of DVDs. It was so cheap compared to Laserdisc. Exactly, and I, and I went kind of silly with, with the whole DVD. And I was getting stuff from Japan and and all over the place because I wanted Blackhawk down in, in DTS. And it was only available, I can't remember now, Portugal or somewhere like that. And... So you, you did silly things like importing stuff from all over the place and all the rest of it. But it's gotten to the stage now, I think, with, with the technology, with the fact that DTS is on everything. So, it, you know, you're no longer searching for what's allegedly the best sound mix and, and so on because everything seems to be done uh, as it is and, and all the rest of it. I mean, it, you're getting to the point now where I only buy a Blu-ray if I know I'm going to watch it more than once. And that means films like Jaws or the Indiana Jones, Star Wars, um, those kind of That's movies. You know what I mean? Only those kind of movies. Everything else, like Mark says, I'll watch it once and I think, well, I'm not going to buy the disc. I'll catch it some some other way. I do try and buy. I buy, as I say, I buy stuff in for having something relatively up to date for sound testing, but I'll choose fairly carefully what I end up buying. So this time, I bought Fast and Furious 7. I own the, all the others, so I might as well continue down the path of the <laughs> No, 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 I'm going around to that yet. Um, <laughs> At the end, you might find you've got something in your eye. No, no. Okay, that's fine. It almost certainly will be shards of glass from my broken phone. But um, <laughs> but before that was Fury. I haven't bought anything since then. It's just not often. And when I then go on Discogs late at night after some beers and it's like oh my god there's about 900 albums I want to buy uh, film always comes out second best under those circumstances I've got to say if I'm walking through uh, the big Tesco's or whatever and, and they've got cheapy stuff on for like a tenner and it's a half decent film then I will pick it up but other than that it has to yeah. be something that really you know I'm, I'm desperate to go and buy and there's not many of them come along to be honest I, mean, I do think I, sorry, just I just think about this. They do need if they the the full commercial assault that is the new Star Wars films. There has to be an opening for the idiots box set, which includes it on. I don't know. Let's say let's say it has come to fruition. Four K Blu-ray, but then for I don't know, ultra limited edition, two thousand copies, nothing more. You can buy a special edition version of it on Laserdisc. For the lols, and I bet you two thousand of them, you'd have idiots yep, bidding I... each other six ways from Sunday. Yeah, mate. I'd be one of them. I know. Not that you're an idiot, Phil. You just I, be suckered yes, in. Yes, I'd be suckered in totally. <laughs> 
but yeah, maybe this is where this is where film companies are going wrong. It, it may be actually not about delivering the bleeding edge versions of it. People will just go, well, actually, I've got all the others on VHS. I bloody well want these ones on as well. So maybe that maybe that's the way forward. I mean, yeah, if well, you've I... seen what's happened to cassette sales, I mean, vinyl can be argued can be driven by a possible qualitative element. People are only buying cassettes because I don't know they suddenly want to be thirteen again. Do they still make cassettes? They do. And it's yes. become it's become a real Brazil, sort of it? indie indie release thing. I'll send you a video after this. There's a book <laughs> from a cassette in a factory in the US, the last cassette factory in the United States. They're now working three shifts and resurrecting machines which haven't worked for like thirty five years. But yes. if you think, remember, um, uh, again, tapping into this nostalgia, the Guardians of the Galaxy mixtape. Oh yeah, yeah, went bananas. So uh, you, we have to separate. There are people driven purely by quality, but your requirement for physical media is a, is partly a traditional and a nostalgic one. So I mean, we've got we've got vinyl yeah, for, for for audio, right? So I mean, what is the home cinema equivalent of vinyl? Then I mean, there has to be one of the old formats that comes back, surely. Um, you're right, but I couldn't tell you which. I mean, let's face it. Unfortunately, it's been Laserdisc has been dead for too long because it is. It's oh, a, it, it's it a was and, and, and unbelievably rubbish as well when you compare it to, to today's. No, yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing when people talk about pricing. I think, you know how much I used to pay for a crappy VHS tape back in the day? <laughs> you know, you could easily drop twenty quid on a, a pan and scan VHS tape at what about two hundred lines of resolution, stereo sound if you're lucky. It's like. Jesus. And now, now, you know, now we're on the edge. We're on the verge of having at home a disc format that can deliver, you know, ultra HD, DCI, 10 bit HDR. We're on the very verge of having at home what you basically get in the cinema. And no one cares apart from me, apparently. Well, there's at least 20 or 30 other people that care. (laughs) But, um,. You know, I, I, I guess in in case anyone's listening to this and they're feeling riled by how little I apparently care on this, I guess as the audio person, I've I've been through this and I'm coming out the other side. Um, and it, for me, the news is quite rosy. Um, pe- people who need the convenient option, convenient options there, the quality options there. Um, artists are bypassing the the crippling confines of record labels and selling material to customers direct and selling it in the formats the customers want and the quality the customers want in the manner that the customers want. Um, what is happening with films at the moment, it need not be the end of the world. Where where there is a demand, things change, delivery systems change and, and options change. So don't, don't get too downcast by it. But the formulaic continuation of physical media, physical media is going to have to adapt considerably to how, how it's going to do things. Uh, and I think you may end up with the be- your best option being paid download. So not physical, but you do own it. Do you think that kind of desire to own something physical is, is dying out? Yeah. Not a, not a shadow totally. of a doubt. And I don't, it's, it's, I have to count myself. In there. I don't believe when I've bought a, a, a high res download that I don't own it, Steve, as I say, I adhere to a relatively sensible backup policy it's not going to be lost by a single hard drive crash. Um, I, it, it's no more intangible. When you actually look at some of the production issues that affected CDs, DVDs, and Blu-rays, it's not any more intangible than optical discs. Yeah, I mean, mm. basically download it, burn it to a disc, and there you go, you get your physical format. 
you know um Probably and then so. i guess if I, whatever whatever uh, nostalgia i have for physical formats is continuously assuaged by the existence of one in my in my in my world so uh, i guess maybe i'm cheating but i don't when i buy an album offered offered that you know a high res download or a lossless download i don't think oh i don't really own this because it's just a set but do you get do you derive more pleasure from buying a, a vinyl lp and having that physical disc in your hand is it just purely about for me, me it's always quality? always been about the music um and there are many times when i look at the price of a of, of an, al- an album being released on vinyl i think it's just no i if i can have three great albums for the price of that one and i'll go for the, the i'll go for the download method every day every time um i mean not least because it's not like my digital front ends are, you know in any way sort of flaky it's it still sounds sensational so i i, I choose my vinyl purchases carefully i'm more likely to buy something that was released on vinyl in the first place because the chances are pricing isn't going to be too harsh and that's the format that it was supposed to be in so that more often than not it sounds the least messed about with so we failed to stick to the running order yet again. Um, yeah, but, but I think we've been we've been hot on topic. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. It's just Steve's hard work's gone to waste because he's spent a lot of time. He spent like, all like, of five minutes typing. Well, that, yes. maybe, maybe two and a half minutes. If you think of it. I don't know. He's quite slow at time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, that's hardware for this week. We'll be back in a sec with movie news. Uh, Steve, what's at the cinema? I went to go and see Everest, um, which we discussed last week. I believe um, Ed's wife saw it at a preview screening. And um, I have to say her three-word review um, <laughs> wasn't far off the mark. <laughs> but um, we, we are, we are, It's available for sale for anyone looking to update their, music, their, their movie posters in the cinema if they want. Kirsty's quite happy to be attributed to that as well. Um, I, I think it's the the most the most succinct review I've heard for some time. Yes, um, it, it is uh, quite bleak uh, <laughs> at the end. I'm not going to lie. However, I I do actually applaud the filmmakers for not you know bottling it, and they do stick to the facts and what really happened, and they don't try and turn it into a Hollywood ending or you know make it happier. It it isn't. It's grim, really, really grim at the end. Um, even like the guy that survives probably wishes he hadn't. So um, it's yeah, it's a it's, it's not an easy watch, but I think it's bloody well made. Um, I guess I guess the problem the problem with these films, Steve, it's a bit like the Titanic, isn't it? You know, you all kind of know the ending, so you know what really has to work is what's in between. Yeah, I mean, we may not know. I mean, you may not know the ending. I mean, I had time to research it prior to seeing the film, so I did know the, the truth of it. But um, you may go into it completely cold. And then, and then you probably would find it an incredibly dark and, and bleak experience because you wouldn't know what to expect at the end. And you'd probably be assuming, since it's a film, you know, a Hollywood film, that people are going to be okay, uh, and they're not. But it's, it's very well made. And they do spend a long time uh, allowing you to get to know the characters, which is important because you do sort of care about them more towards the end. And I think that's a film, a lot, a lot of films make the mistake of not you know, investing time in the characters to the point where you care about them. Because if you don't care about something, then it just becomes a meaningless experience. But you mean if you care about classic them... classic example for that was Black Hawk Down. Where everyone had exactly the same haircut, looked yeah. exactly the same, and died like flies. It's like, you could, you could tell who was who. <laughs> you didn't care about them. <laughs> uh, in this case, it has one minor problem, um, which is, I guess, unavoidable. When they're up on the mountain, they're all wearing, you know, parkas and, and goggles and masks. So you can't really tell who's who a lot of the time. Um, 
but and obviously they do find ways of making sure you do know who is who and who's in trouble and who's in less trouble. But it's very well made. Uh, certainly, I mean, it was shot uh, both in the Himalayas and also in, in the Alps, I believe. Um, it, it looks very realistic. You, you really get a feel for how hard it is to climb mountains of that size. You know, once you go above a certain limit, above the vertical limit, um, you know, you are your body is quite literally dying from that well, point Well, the, the thing I found really surprising, I watched a documentary on it recently, because um, obviously they had the earthquake there where there was lots of people killed on the, on the mountain recently. And um, one of the things I, I didn't realise was that even base camp, you have people dying of, of, of uh, sickness there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's even base camp's really high. I mean, I've had some friends who've actually made the trek up to base camp and it is bloody high. And and if you've ever been at altitude, you know, it's even not nothing like that high, but even a bit of altitude, you know, you, kind of when you suddenly realize just how much less oxygen there is in the air, it, it is debilitating. And so you understand how incredibly hard it is to get to the top of these mountains and back down again alive. And also the fact that you have to be quite ruthless, but if someone drops down, you haven't got the energy to carry them. They're dead. They're, you just leave them. And, they're, and there's a scene where they go past frozen bodies you know, that have been there for however long. I mean, I think they found Mallory's body not so long ago, didn't they? Yeah. Almost perfectly preserved. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it really stays true to the harsh realities of mountain climbing. And also, you know, it does um, raise the issue of the, these companies that take amateur climbers up Everest, um, you know, to the point where there's the very short wind of opportunity, like we talked about last week where you've got people literally queuing up to climb the mountain, you know, and they're above the point where their bodies are already dying and they're getting cold and they're waiting their turn. Uh, you know, you think it's just a disaster waiting to happen here. Um, and th so when this storm comes in, you know, and then these guys are up on this mountain and they're, and they're kind of, one of the guys on the tour is a journalist and they want to get into the top because they want to write a good story about their company. So they do things, I think they take risks they wouldn't normally have taken. Um, and they make some mistakes, and the, the, those mistakes are disastrous for them. Um, the uh, sound mix was fantastic. When, when some of the storms hit and things like that, really rumbling around the room, I was thinking, like, this would be a great disc. Uh, it looks gorgeous. And set at the cinema, it was out of focus, which really pissed me off. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, when they do the zoom and shift and they refocus it, it didn't refocus properly on, this, on when it zoomed out to a widescreen. And, I, and I'm thinking, like, I can do this at home. How can they not do it in a professional cinema properly? Um, that was really annoying. It was out of focus because you know you think about oh, this is a lovely shot, but this is just it's just a little bit out of focus the whole time. Um, but in terms of the film itself, I, I thought it was. Uh, I'm not yeah, entertaining may not be the right word, but it's certainly uh, well made, um, and it gives you a, a real feeling of what it's like to to. Um, to climb one of these really high mountains where, you know, the, 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 the effort and struggle involved in doing it and why it's so bloody dangerous. Um, the cast is good. Um, they, they, they do the sensible thing of, of having some quite well-known people in smaller roles so that you remember them. Because <laughs> um, when you've got a large ensemble of cast, if, they, you know, if you don't know who they are, then you can quickly forget who a character is. So having Sam Worthington play a small character um, means you at least remember who he is. You know, oh, Sam Worthington and Jake Gyllenhaal turning up and this kind of stuff. So that's good. Um, I've got to say that both Emily Watson and uh, Kieran Knightley do fantastic Kiwi accents, spot on, uh, which is good to see because most of the characters in it are, certainly the people running the company are actually from New Zealand. And having known quite a few Kiwis, they do do spot on accents. And it's a very well-made film. It's, um, yeah, you, you could say, would it have not been better to do it as a documentary? But it seems even-handed. Uh, it, you know, it really puts you up there on that mountainside. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it, but I certainly found it a rewarding experience. I think there already is a documentary, Steve. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm sure I've seen it on Discovery or something like that. Where I'm sure, I'm sure there's a documentary about it. And obviously, yeah. as you mentioned last week, for the Everest 
the IMAX team that was shooting the documentary Everest were there when that happened and in fact were involved in some of the rescue operations and they mentioned briefly at the beginning of the film and say oh they've got a team from so and so and there's the IMAX team over there that sort of stuff so but uh, yeah yeah I think uh, I think in terms of there, there aren't that many mount, mountain climbing movies uh so it, it, it's certainly well made and, and puts you really I mean you know you, it's about as close as I want to get to being up Everest really because it looked bloody dangerous <laughs> and really hard work. Well, there's no way I could do it because you, t- you have to go across the, um, what do you call it, where there's a gap in the ice. Yeah, yeah, they've got the, the ladders. Um, and you've got the ladders and you've got to walk across. There's no way I could do that. No way. It, it was, um, it's available in both 2D and 3D at the cinema. It wasn't shot with 3D cameras, unfortunately. Um, but I, and I saw it in 2D. But uh, I just imagine that if this conversion is done well, it would make it, you know, it could be quite a vertigo inducing experience in 3D. Of course, if any uh, hipster mountain climbers are reading this, 2,700 people have now made it up Everest. Almost all where, of them beards, I should think. Well, I imagine so. But um, obviously, we quoted from the uh, film Vertical Limit at the start and indeed the end of this. Uh, only 302 super cool people have made it up to. Uh, made it up to the top of that and 80 people are very cool indeed because they've died doing it so yeah it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a lot harder than ever yeah it's it's yeah. apparent uh, but um again if we're going going true true obscure the one you want to get your ass up is uh annapurna which is also in the himalayas because uh, only 191 people have climbed that and 61 people have died trying so that's a 32 percent fatality rate which is cool well, not cool, but you know it's quite you know that that's that's the one to to to, to shoot for. None of this commercialised, you know, Disney Mountain stuff. W- worth going to see, I think. Uh, certainly, a big uh, it'd make a good big screen experience. I don't know. Wait, wait and stream it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to really jump the shot. Someone needs to watch it at base camp once. <laughs> Just to cheer themselves up before they go up there. The same reason that they should show a live on more in-flight movies. <laughs> you may notice that that kind of film never gets shown on in-flight movies. Yeah, United ninety three is not a big one either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'd buy it on Blu-ray though, Phil, because I don't think Everest really makes a good repeat experience. So we're going to survive this time, no? <laughs> is it going to be as bleak as the last time? Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, if 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 any yes, like. Miraculously decided to go to the cinema this week, Steve. What could you see? There's not that many films opening. Uh, there's only really one one major film, and I saw the trailer for it, and I thought, mm, I don't know about that. It was Anthony Hopkins and um, and Colin Farrell in a film called Solace, where Hopkins plays a uh, a psychic who helps the police in investigations, um, and which lost me immediately because I don't believe in any of that couple is nothing. And then I think, I think Colin Farrell is basically a killer who's also a psychic and he's deliberately, um, you know, can see one step ahead of what the cops are going to do and he's leaving them clues and taunting them. Um, so if you like that kind of thing, it might be interesting. I, I don't really like psychics and that sort of stuff. So it um, put me off immediately. You but, would, uh, you would have liked the documentary. It was on BBC four the other night then. Um, oh, you uh, with Rand, with um, the great Randy. Randy. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. I've seen it before. Really yeah, good. Yeah, I've really loved the debunking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, when, I, the when, stuff he did with the guy with the earpiece is superb. Yeah, and the thing he did with Yuri Geller as well when he was on that talk show, that was brilliant yeah. as well. Yeah, I love that kind of thing because I really hate those charlatans. Uh, anyway, that's what's opening this week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, Sharina actually seems like she's quite keen to go and see it. So, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> to go and review it. <laughs> but uh, I just felt like uh, Andy Hopkins obviously is a paycheck gig. And Colin Farrell um, can't get much work these days, so take him what he can get. 
Uh, Blu-rays. If we decide that we're still going to buy them, what can we buy? <laughs> you can probably watch them on some streaming services too. We've got Big Game, which is the Finnish US co-production with Samuel L. Jackson, rather, um, rather unbelievably playing the US president, who an Air Force One gets shot down over... Uh, can I say, over... what do you mean, rather unbelievable? We, we are in... There's an outside chance that Donald Trump will become the United States president. <laughs> very, Samuel very Jackson, by, com- by comparison, is, you know... You know, and it's not like it's not like it hasn't been held by a former actor before, is it? No, true. In many ways, I'd rather have Samuel L. Jackson as the president of the United States than Donald Trump. Sorry. Um, Anyway, yes. Given the option of Donald Trump or Samuel L. Jackson, I'll take the latter. But he's the president. Gets shot down over over Finland, and basically uh, teams up with a young kid um, in in the forest and the wilds of in the finland to keep trying to stay um keep him alive and keep him away from the uh, terrorists who are after him and want to kill him wow uh, wow that sounds exciting Kaz seemed to quite like it although Kaz just have <laughs> yeah. sometimes a slightly <laughs> hippie taste when it comes to action film yeah just a bit uh, uh the other film opening uh blu-ray coming out this week rather is pitch perfect 2 uh which is obviously super pitch perfect about an acapella girl group um, which has been very successful and was directed by Elizabeth Banks, which I didn't realise uh, until I was looking it up earlier. Um, but it's been, been a big hit for, for Universal, who've had a fantastic year. Universal are absolutely coining it in this year between Jurassic World, Fast and Furious 7, uh, Minions, um, Pitch Perfect 2, um, Straight Out of Compton and um, Fifty Shades of Grey. They've made more money this year than any studio in history. <laughs> at least until Star Wars opens in Christmas anyway do you think that they're all like Scrooge McDuck they've got big piles of coins although obviously I'm fully aware that the physics of diving into a big pile of coins just involves a lot of broken bones yeah. <laughs> or maybe they just got lots of mattresses with hundred dollar bills all over them so they can just like make snowman shapes in them but anyway they have pulled in uh, what was that one two three something like four and a half five billion dollars so far this year magic good year for Universal and not a bad year so far for Disney and I suspect it's going to get better because I was looking at the uh, um, cinema releases going into November December planning out reviews and uh, after the 4th of December there are no major films <laughs> apart from Star Wars like everyone's just gone it we're not going anywhere near that <laughs> absolutely no way we're going near that nothing the two weeks before it you would class as a big release and nothing the two weeks after it Christmas either it's just that this on all yours <laughs> So the question now becomes, can it beat Avatar? Yeah, I, I think, would yeah. say so. Yeah, I was, if uh, Jurassic World can make 1.6 billion, and like, who'd thought that coming? You've got to think, it's got to be up to at least a cheeky If team. it's in any way, any cop at all, yeah. And also, let's face it, it'll have a, it'll have a reasonably long run as well, I imagine. Yep. It's going to have not... no competition, that's for certain. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to the cinema to see something, it's going to be a hit. <laughs> or it's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> Get me out of the house. Did you know that there's an Italian climber with the decidedly un-Italian name of Reinhold Messner who looks like George Lucas, but he's climbed all of the peaks in the world over 8,000 metres and he's done them all without oxygen? That's well hard. Uh, that's pretty hard, but no, I'm going to send you the link uh, because he does genuinely look like George Lucas, which I think you'll find quite amusing. Is that George Lucas when he was younger? Or Lucas no, no, George Lucas now. He's got now. a big fat tummy and a big neck. Yeah, wait a and second. A check shirt. <laughs> A beard. Yeah. A no, 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 he would be he would be pretty good if he did it in a checked shirt. <laughs> He's not wearing a checked shirt. I got to disappoint you there. Oh yeah, he does a lot of George Lucas. Isn't he? <laughs> That's hardcore. He's the man that you need to blow up party balloons. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So just to, to wrap up on the podcast, we're going to go back to streaming services um, because yeah. the B, because the BBC are planning a Netflix style service in the US, and I think this is a long time coming, Mark, because as far as I'm aware, it's quite easy to get iPlayer abroad where people don't pay for it. Extremely easy, yeah. You know, like we use DNS services to access Netflix in other territories, and people do that with the iPlayer. Well, you may do that. I couldn't possibly uh, admit that. Well, do <laughs> I, I do do it? <laughs> yeah, we, we can freely admit that we're not breaking any laws, and the people accessing iPlayer from other territories aren't breaking any laws. They've got to shore that up before they, they go launching with the, uh, any Netflix type service. If people can freely get out what they want anyway, then what's the point? Um, and they've tried it before, haven't they? This is they've been, they've been running an international iPlayer service for years, and no one's been interested. No one's interested. I don't think they've got the breadth of content required to run. run this is that because they've sold a lot of their content to other people like Netflix? Well, that's it. They've already, they've already, yeah. And this, this, they've already said that this won't affect their licensing deals with other other providers. So you'll be able to I get don't it. Know, there's a huge mind of historical content. There's a load of stuff. I admit there is a lot of good stuff, documentaries and all that kind of stuff. But has it got the have the BBC got the breadth of content? Has it got the enough big drama, big hitters? Have they got the movies? You know, have, have they got enough for yeah, style yeah, and no, service? No, but you, you see, thinking about this for online services, for binge watching, they've got any number of, you know, useful yeah. 12 episode things providing they haven't lost it. It, it there is a huge you know there's i'm just thinking back from sort of the the, the mid 70s onwards or even earlier in some cases there's stuff where for a netflix style fee you'll sit and watch one episode you think Do you know what let's let's see how that ends i mean one of the classic ones and i'm i'm hoping to god it's bbc i, I might have to check but uh there was a richard Briers um comedy if you see god tell him and I haven't watched that for years. And if I had the option to watch that again, um, uh, I'd, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be, be, be in like Flynn on that. You're English. So who's, who else well, I know I won't actually get to uh, get to see it. Yeah, yeah but I mean, there's, 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 there's loads of stuff. Um, I, I, I'm just thinking about. It. I mean, all the horizons. And sit and watch through them because I love Horizon. I think that's brilliant. You can do that now. Um, BBC yeah, Four. That's all they have a bloody have on it. Yeah, but you can only you can only do certain bits. I mean, Horizon goes back. Is it forty years? Yeah. I mean, so uh, sometimes you get stuff from the archives, which is really interesting to watch. So, so like things that were made in the late seventies, talking about social housing and that kind of thing. Now it sounds dull. But actually, if you've got any interest in history and, and stuff, it's really fascinating to watch. Tell you what, I'd love things. to watch old episodes of Tomorrow's World. Yeah, totally. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, really good. So <laughs> you, have, they still got got, have they still got all this? Well, yeah, I don't know. But if they have, that would be fantastic. Instead of it being iPlayer, which is obviously you can watch stuff you, you've missed. So it's back a month, isn't it? Mm. Stuff in the last month you've missed. You can, I can watch that. But having a, 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 a streaming service or subscription service where you can go in and watch anything the BBC have made in the last 60-odd years, that would be a genuine resource that I think people would... I certainly would <laughs> like Ed. I mean, I can think of shows like... Remember, there's a show back in the 80s called Bird of Prey with yeah. um, Richard Griffiths. So I remember thinking it was really good uh, when I saw it back then, and I would like to see it again. I'll tell um, you one thing I'd love to see, and I know actually the reason why it's never been broadcast again is because there's massive arguments over the people that actually wrote it and who gets money and whose who's credit it is. But Monkey Dust, I mean, that was magnificent. And I'd love that to come. I'd love that to be shown. It was I, BBC I think, film. It was BBC coast play. Coast. No, no, yeah. I'm saying they, BBC did. Well, I can't remember how you define film or TV movie or 
yeah. play. Because obviously BBC have BBC films that actually do produce cinema content. But they also make, uh, well, I guess, what you would class as TV movies for broadcast on the, TV, on the BBC, or, or even like hour and a half long dramas is effectively a movie. But they did one in the late 80s called Coast to Coast with Lenny Henry and John Shea. And it's been broadcast. I used to have it on VHS tape and I watched it over and over again until it, basically the tape wore out. It's never, ever been released because it's got one of the best Motown soundtracks you'll ever hear. It's got 20 or 25 classic Motown tracks and some quite obscure stuff too, which I spent years tracking down after I'd seen it. And because of the copyright issues with that, it's never been released on DVD or anything like that, or even repeated. Um, maybe that wouldn't get shown again. But that kind of stuff, I would love to see again. Absolutely love to. And there's a lot of good food stuff as well, which doesn't really date. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the, the Keith Floyd stuff is quite alcohol heavy when you view it back in the 21st very century. Very enjoyable but, viewing, though. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I think it's workable for a solid enough fee. And if this is the BBC starting to make use of material it's got to assist its own funding in existence it it's always going to get a, a support from me this is yeah. what it should be doing i agree on i do agree on that and i think that they should monetize their content in some way internationally but i just i just don't think there's there's enough there for a netflix style service and, and what people oh, want I, I particularly do. internationally well, maybe internationally, but you know, the more we talk about this, I'm thinking, I want this service in the UK. I want to be able to go through all the archive stuff and watch, you know, six seasons of Jim will fix it. <laughs> that, that, that won't be making it, will it? You well, no, they should make the BBC person. put everything up, including all the embarrassing stuff. Animal Hospital. It'll be all right in the 60s. But some of the stuff. Like black and white minstrel show, I want that back on. <laughs> There's some really iffy stuff. I, I, I don't know if you've been watching the, the series that's been running on Channel 4, yeah. and, and they've been doing each decade, and they did the 60s last week. My it's God, some good. of the stuff that... How they got away with it? How, how it was ever thought to be normal? Well, the funny bit was when there was it the, the, the comedy show where the guy gets dragged through the... Um, a, it was a bookcase. And they obviously yeah. scored the bookcase to break apart. And, and then the when they got the to lunch, someone had come around and glued it all back together <laughs> again. So they dragged this guy through it and it knocks him out stone cold. But because it's a live broadcast, <laughs> the two actors keep going. And yeah. they, yeah, and they threw him out, out the window. <laughs> and throw him out the window. It's absolutely hysterical. BB think, oh, geez, how coke. Oh, Drake, wasn't he? It was Toy Drake, yeah, they got knocked unconscious. It was quite disappointing. I just found, obviously, I was just immediately thinking of Love Thy Neighbour, but that's ITV, not BBC. Yeah, that was... Watching that, it's impossible not to just clench up and try and hide behind the sofa. It's just awful. They were having a go at John Lennon, weren't they, from that live broadcast where he's doing a a Jerry Deacon impression a bit before that time, I suppose. But I was thinking, yes, obviously, we're more enlightened now. I remember doing that when I was a kid at school. Yeah, yeah. You just didn't you basically? In fact, anyone of a certain generation, including me, Mark, and probably you, Phil, if I say the words Joey Deacon, I assume you immediately start doing the face and the voice because it's just a Pavlovian. Well, I've grown out of it now, Steve. To be honest. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I twenty twelve was the best year. You would do it. <laughs> In many ways, if it was, if this BBC thing dragging it torturously back on topic, if this BBC thing genuinely is. A, a, a pretty much un, un sort of restricted access to as much of their archives which has survived them randomly taping over it or storing it underwater or whatever the various things they've done to, to stuff that was actually quite good i i think it'll work um and as i say i i you know i personally think this is amongst the the things that the bbc needs to needs to do to to continue to uh, essentially reconcile its ambitions with 
the nature of how we fund media in the 21st century. Yeah, I, I, I think that's all pretty pretty logical. Um, and my only hope is that if it's well sorted and it proves to be successful abroad, whether it can be looked at as part of the license, as something we can access as part of the license fee in the UK, that would also be quite cool. That, that, that is supposed to be happening, isn't it? The BBC. I play won't exist in a few years. It'll just be the bbc.co.uk website, and you will have access to all this stuff that they're going to do internationally. Well, it's all the stuff that well, apparently, destroyed. Anyway. I mean, Old Grey Whistle Stop is the uh, classic example, isn't it? I mean, some of, some of the finest life, yeah, some of the li- some of the li- uh, finest life performances of the era, and broadly speaking, erased. Nice, they erased Good quite a large chunks of early Doctor Who as well, didn't they? Certainly. Yeah, well, that's no great loss. Yeah, but no, it is. It's a big actually, seller for them. Yeah, they, they, actually, um, for they, they did not find them, though, recently. They found, they so found a large in Nigeria again. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, a lot, a lot of it's missing. Get over it, Who fans. Uh, is he not back this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was last Saturday. Was it yeah. last Saturday? Was it? It shows how much I pay attention. Was it any good? Uh, it, was, uh, it was good in some respects. It, it was classic Stephen Moffat. It was just full of it, knowing, you know, really smug. Uh, not as clever as it thinks it is. Rattles along at a fast pace. You stop thinking for a second. Thing doesn't make any sense. And what the hell's going on? Um, and you need to do. And obviously, if you, you know a bit about whose history, maybe you get some some kicks out of it. I, I found it slightly disappointing. A self-congratulatory circle jerk was how a friend of mine described us <laughs> on Twitter. That would be a pretty good description. Of that. Stephen Moffat is always like that, you know. Yeah. Characters who you think are dead turn up, and they go like, you know, short story, not short, short answer, not dead. Which is a gag he's already used in in Sherlock anyway, and and I just remember thinking, what? Okay. Anyway, it, the numbers were much lower than um, the previous, the obviously the first episode last year with um, Peter Capaldi had with like four million more viewers or something like that, so they plummeted. And yeah, but seemingly that was that wasn't the big shock over the, the weekend. I think it was um, Downton Abbey had had f- the lowest figures it's ever had on a launch for its oh, final, really? for, yes. for its final we, season. Not least, because I mean, my, my, my wife watched it on catch-up. I ignored it studiously. I don't have no interest, no interest in it whatsoever, but it was uh, seemingly it was big news on Sunday. And sadly, or gladly, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that is the Forums podcast for this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. 100,000 sperm, and you were the fastest. Mark Hodgkinson. Don't mind her, she's French-Canadian. And Ed Selly. I reckon we should wait until they chuck in a ski lift. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video, and you can also leave us a rating on iTunes. If you give us five stars, we'll read your name out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if, yeah, we can't be worse. bribe you. Hey, it's got to be, it's got to be worth that bribe. Um, I'm feeling. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Yeah.